Hello, welcome to GunfighterCast, episode number 146. This episode, Andy and I are going to talk about training, mindset, and visualization. I'm in Wichita, Kansas. I got a class this weekend. So uh, Andy is a director of training at Thunderbird Farms Academy. So he's hanging out with me for a few episodes that we're knocking out here today. And uh, he's always full of good, useful information. So uh, Andy, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, we're talking about training mindset and visualization. So how our mind, what, what we should be thinking about, what we should be focused on, and uh, also how to visualize during training to enhance our training. And that's just some of the things we're going to get into right when we get back. Primary Weapon Systems has a summer rebate sale going on until the end of August. Get $200 cash rebate on any in-stock rifle, pistol, or upper. As a listener of Gunfighter Cast, you get that 200 instantly at checkout at primaryweapons.com using the code SHAW200. You can also use the code SHAW10 on other purchases at primaryweapons.com for 10% off. All right, welcome back. Um, Andy, whenever you've got students in a class and they show up and you've went over the fundamentals, you got them shooting pretty good, and we're trying to take the defensive shooters um, into more of the defensive shooting and not just learning how to press the trigger properly and, and point the gun at the target and all that good stuff. Um, when we, we talk about visualization, what do, what do you generally explain to them? Well, uh, I mean, I try, I try to get them in the, in the right mindset uh, of, of understanding that that, that target is not just a cardboard silhouette or a, or a piece of paper that they're shooting at with lines on it. Um, if, if they can visualize what, what the purpose is that they're conducting during that drill or, or that stage of fire or whatever it is, um, there's a purpose behind that. You know, they need to get that gun out of the holster and they need to get it on that target and they need to press those shots, high center chest, uh, until that threat stops being a threat, until it changes behavior. I think that's something important to, to cover as an instructor. And I've taken classes where it's not covered at all. People just say, all right, now here's what we're going to do. Do this. Shoot four shots, punch four holes in the target, and then we're going to do this after that. Um, but nobody's explaining why. Why are we doing this? Uh, here's how to do it. Here's why to do it. Here's where it fits in reality. Now, here's some examples of some things that we could be visualizing where this fits in reality. So whenever that situation occurs out there as we're carrying that gun, we have to use that gun, then... We may not have ever been in that situation before, but we have almost specifically trained for that same situation because we visualized during training. We didn't just visualize that we're shooting a cardboard silhouette. We visualized that we were shooting a human being under this certain set of circumstances, uh, the drill that we're doing, or a scenario if you're doing scenarios. <clears throat> so when we talk about visualization, I'm talking about what we're imagining uh, in that situation. What we're, we're doing. And in the last episode, I gave an example of one of my, my drills that I do with a lot of targets out there on the range. And if I just say, hey, welcome to class. I'm Daniel. I've got a bunch of targets out here. I'm going to call out a number. I want you to go shoot it. And that's all I said. They're going to get very little out of that. And it's going to look like a goat rodeo while it's happening, probably, uh, if we haven't prepared for that and given them the tools to actually uh, negotiate that problem and solve those problems. That's really all we're doing is solving problems. Um, Instead, we're going to build up to that. So I build up to that. We're also I want them to when we're doing those drills. If I have a bank of different distances, front and back, uh, within on a twenty yard range, twenty five yard range, and they're all over the range, and I say, here's the situation. It's not a scenario. It's a drill. Uh, it's a, it's not a scenario where you have all these bad guys or anything else like that. The drill is 
find the target and hit it without being a danger to yourself or anyone else and clear the foreground and background and use all the tools that you have to do those things. The situation, you know, is whatever you develop in your mind. It could be that you're responding to an active shooter. Uh, you're in a gas station. You're in your home and you're having to move past your family. Um, there's, there could be a thousand different things. And I don't try to paint a picture for every drill that we do for the students. But I, what I try to do is make them understand not only how to do this, but why they need to be able to do it and why they should do it in this set or a set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then whatever they visualize in their mind, is if, if we're not visualizing an actual fight, if we're not visualizing, and it doesn't have to be a whole full-blown scenario in our minds or anything else like that, if we're not actually visualizing, um, we're just punching holes in paper. And we want to do more than punch holes in paper. We want to train the mind as well. It's got to and, be a purpose. And, and even Dave Grossman talks about uh, the uh, inoculation effect uh, of visualizing fighting a human because getting a human to hurt another human is not the easiest thing to do except for psychopaths and sociopaths. Those good guys don't want to do that. So training to do that, uh, I have to respond with lethal force right now because of this situation that I'm in. This person has to be stopped. Then this is my only option. So visualizing that helps as well. If someone can't visualize any type of situation that they're in or a drill that we're doing, if they're not able to visualize any type of scenario or, or where that technique or where that tactic or where that concept would fit in reality, they may not actually understand that task that they're performing. So it helps them understand that task better and it gets them thinking a little bit further down the road. Get some thinking about some things that maybe weren't covered in a PowerPoint, that maybe weren't covered by the instructor who was explaining it. And it'll often spawn questions. Like, hey, I was just doing this drill, and I thought of this. What What do you think about that? You know, asking the other students in the class, asking the instructor, and we'll have that conversation about that and figure it out. Um, because that's, that's learning occurring right then. And uh, there's a, a lot of learning comes from visualization and not just doing the drills that the guy out there uh, in the red shirt or whatever the instructor wears um, mm-hmm. is telling you to do. Yeah, you know, uh, ultimately it's just it, it's giving them a purpose. You know, th- th- there's got to be a purpose behind what it is they're doing. Um, so, you know, bringing it back to something that, that doesn't fit every situation. Uh, but there's a there there's some thought that goes in there, and 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 it, and it typically helps uh, them to come out of their shell a little bit uh, and and put a little bit more realism in, in their training. Is I'll I'll simply you know explain to them that I've I, I've been in bad situations before, you know I've I've, I've felt fear fear before, and um, and I would never want that for my my family, the ones that I love, the ones I care about. You know, my wife and my kids. And if there was ever a situation uh, where they felt that fear of losing their life, you know, um, that to me means something to me. So that to me becomes now an incentive that I need to do what I need to do and better myself in, in order to stop that threat. Um, because if it, if my if my kid or my wife was there at a moment that, that somebody wanted to cause harm or was already in the act of causing harm to them and they felt that fear that I felt before that I never want them to feel ever um, then that's gonna that's gonna also give me an incentive and a drive to to put out 110 percent 
So that reminds me of an example of um, something I tell my students when we're we're doing uh, some protection of third party and we're starting to, to learn and understand protection of third party. I'm out with my wife, my kids. Um, and, you know, there is, it's not just draw the gun and shoot with the person next to you. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different things. Depending on how you're carrying is when you draw, uh, getting a control measure on that, that person that you're protecting so they're not becoming a danger for you or, or, or themselves as you draw your gun. But you have to draw that gun and fire. Uh, where do we do that? What's my most dominant position? Um, what do I communicate to them? They may be hysterical. They may be trying to run. Maybe I let them run. Maybe I don't. Uh, there's a lot of things to consider and think about there. And whenever uh, we're, we're beginning to do this with, with a class, um, I, they, they're using another student in the class as the third party that they're protecting. But you know, once we get past the, the basic level there and they understand what they're doing, I'm like, all right, now let's really do it, right? Like, I want you to protect the heck out of them. Like, that is your, your spouse. That's the person that you love, that you chose to spend the rest of your life with, and now they're in danger. Get there. Mm-hmm. Get there right now. Get there and draw that gun under stress that you've created in your own mind uh, because their life and your life depends on you getting there, getting that gun out, and getting that gun out safely for them and yourself and still being able to uh, to stop that, that threat right there uh, with people around you, being safe for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, getting them to visualize that. And uh, after having that little talk, I, I also I often see the intensity on the range yep. step up significantly. Um, and then there, we start seeing failures happen. We start seeing problems occurring. And that's when people really understand a lot more about what is required of them in those situations. Um, for example, they might be grabbing onto that spouse very tightly with one hand, pulling them behind them, drawing a gun, firing with one hand, clearing clothing with one hand, engaging the target with one hand while they're controlling that, that third party. Um, and we start seeing some limp wrist type stoppages from people who typically never, ever limp wrist. Uh, I, see, I see stoppages increase significantly when we start shooting one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, significantly. A lot more stoppages in one hand shooting than there is two hand shooting. And then they start encountering those things. They have to solve other problems in there. A lot Extra problems occur when we're ready to visualize and we start really visualizing and, and, and pick up that tempo of what we're doing in the training and our intensity and uh, of the goal we're trying to accomplish. We're going to take a little quick break and um, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk a little bit about mindset. If you're looking for the highest quality in 1911s, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk is giving away a custom 1911 every 90 days this year. Enter for your chance to win a Nighthawk Custom Shadowhawk with a Surefire X300 Ultra by visiting www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast. There's no purchase necessary, and there are many ways to get more entries. We're talking about mindset, um, and, and not specifically like a, a combat mindset or a, a warrior mindset or, or anything like that or um, a can-do attitude or whatever. We're, we're talking about a training mindset. Like, how should I approach training? We talked a little bit about visualization during training and, and why we should visualize and, and what it means to, to visualize during training and why it's important for us to do it and how it helps and some other things, some, some good benefits that come from it. Um, but let's say I'm going to a training class, for example. If, if I'm going to take a class... Um, I've got certain a certain kind of mindset going in, and Andy, I'm curious if you're if you're going to go take a class, um, what what are you thinking about? What's your mindset going in there? Whether it's somebody who nobody's ever heard of or a high speed name out there in the firearms industry, um, regardless, what what are you what are you thinking about? What's your what are you focused on? Um, ultimately, it, it would be uh, um, the curriculum itself and, and, and how that's going to apply uh, to 
any given scenario in, in my life that I can encounter. Um, and in trying to, in, in trying to relate that to something, um, whatever skill set it is. Right. So I, when I go to a class, um, I want I want a few things to happen, and and one of the things that I want to happen is as an instructor is I want to learn something that makes me a better instructor that I can take back to my students. I'm always looking for that. I'm I'm going to that class because I'm hoping to find something good. I'm hoping to find something better than what I already know. And if those of you out there are not teaching, you're not an instructor, um, and you're you're just a student, then you could have the exact same mindset. But it's you're you're going to this class, not because you want to show off your skills, not because you want to win all the little competitions, not because you want to be the top shooter in the class. You're going there because you're actively seeking out something that's better than what you're already doing. And that if you're doing that, and if I'm doing that, that and that's honestly what I'm doing, then I know that I am not so ingrained in what techniques I'm teaching or what techniques that I use for myself or anything else that I can't learn. So I, I've got a, a mind that's that's open enough to say, hey, I current, and I've said this recently on Gunfighter Cast that um, I, I've been wrong so much in the past 10, 15 years, and I've changed my mind so many times that I cannot possibly be right, 100% correct right now. I believe I'm the most correct I've ever been but I cannot possibly be 100% correct right now with all the things I've been wrong about. And it's not usually that, that I was just totally wrong about it. It was just new information was acquired and I reevaluated what I was doing and I found better ways or what I, I found to be better ways for me. Um, so if I go to a class and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to go show off and be awesome and question <laughs> everything the instructor does, I'm probably not going to get a lot out of that class. But if I go into that class thinking I am going to find, I want to find a technique I, I want to shoot better. I want to, I want to find a better grip. Mm-hmm. I want to find a better way to control recoil. I want to find I want to be able to get out of my holster faster. I want to be able to, to shoot faster shot to shot with the same level of precision that I can right now. Um, but I want to increase my speed. I want to get faster reloads and stoppage clearances. I, I want to get better at what I'm doing. And if I've got that attitude, and, and I say I say ninety five percent of everybody who comes to the class is that way, but you always have a few that you can tell they're just that. I, they're almost like they're 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 wanting to audit a class or something. That's it, and that's fine. That's that's what they want to do. But uh, the ones that, that really want to learn are, are the ones who are pretty decent shooters when they come. Yep. But they're looking. They're they're totally open. Hey, I'm pretty good. But man, I if you've got something better, that's why I'm here. Yep. I, I want that. And uh, that kind of attitude going into the class for for me is like I want to be a better shooter at the end of this class. And I also want to have some some information, some skills, some ways of explaining something, uh, a drill or two uh, that I can take back and make my students improve the way I improved in that class. So it's uh, I get a couple things out of it, and, and hopefully a lot of people get something out of the classes. A lot of my students have gotten things out of the classes that I've taken because I've, I've passed it on. And I always cite that instructor. Like, hey, this I picked this up at this class with this guy, uh, so-and-so, and uh, I wasn't doing it this way before. But I have put a lot of time in testing in this, and this is what I'm doing now. And I want you guys to give it a try. And when you get a chance, go train with this guy and hear it from him. You know, and that's I give that to anything that I I borrow from another instructor, and, and I appreciate people doing that same thing for me, because um, that's that's what we should be doing. But when I learn something, I, I it doesn't mean I have to hold I I have to hold on to it. Like I'm, I'm going to share it. And 
I'm always looking for something that's better than what I'm doing. And that's the attitude that I have going to a class. Uh, that's why a lot of people put on their, their gear list, bring note-taking material and an open mind. And I, I have to imagine that that's what, I guess that's what they mean by an open mind. Uh, they're willing to learn, willing to try some things that are maybe outside of your comfort zone, maybe different than what you've always done, but give it a fair try. Give it a, give it a, give it a chance out there in the range, and not one or two, but, but work it and see if it is something better for you. It may be, it may not be. But that's what I'm thinking about when I go into a class, um, when, when I'm going to go take one, no matter who it is or what class it is. And this year I've been fortunate enough taking like eight classes now, um, taking a lot of classes, some rifle classes, some handgun classes, uh, kind of a rifle handgun class, quite a few different things, breaching course, all kinds of cool stuff that, uh, that I've learned a lot and had a lot of fun. But then some classes I, I didn't really learn anything, but... Uh, it was still a great experience for a lot of different reasons. Maybe I didn't learn something from the instructor or the students in the class, but what I learned was something from myself. Mm-hmm. And Andy, you're, you're, I'm sure you're the same here. Um, well, I know you are, and I know a lot of people out there listening to Gunfighter Cast are as well, but you're at a level to where you can self-diagnose, where I can, I can tell when I'm doing something wrong. I, I know when I'm doing something right. I know what it feels like to take that perfect shot. I know what it feels like when I didn't take that perfect shot. Um, I know what it feels like when I had a sloppy reload, when I had a good one. Mm-hmm. I know when I, I fumbled a, a stoppage clearance. Um, I, I know I find these things. I know when I, I, I'm out of position or I'm not using cover properly. I, I, I can tell when I'm doing these things because I'm, I'm, while I'm doing these drills or whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to coach myself at the same time and figure out you know, what I can do better. So the other thing that I'm looking for when I go to a class is I am always, always trying to figure out what I suck the most at. And then the, what I suck the second most at, right? So I, I, a good day for me on the range when I go to a class is, is a day that I found out some things that I need to do homework on. Yep. Some things that I need to go back on my own or with a training buddy and spend some time on these things because I realized that that I am, I am inefficient in certain techniques or certain situations or certain things that are going on, and I need to work on those things and bring those skills up. So I, I'm looking for that thing that's going to make me better, and I'm also looking for those things that I am not great at right now that I need to improve on. Uh, and then I'm writing those things down, and I'm adding those to my, my plan for what I'm going to do to work on the range next time I get out there and practice. For sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm big on constantly seeking self-improvement. I, I think everybody should should strive for that, and it, it, it's, it's something that will benefit everybody. But it's, it's also the tools for your tool bag. You know, there's never one way of doing things. If I have multiple ways of solving a, a, a set problem, um, the likelihood of one of those ways of solving that problem might work in in a given situation um so i i I learn as much as i can from from anybody i i interact with all right we're gonna take another quick break and we're gonna be right back and talk a little about controlling emotions because that is another important part of training and taking a class or out there on your own bravo concealment holsters is a high quality holster manufacturer based out of texas the customer service at bravo concealment is unmatched and when you buy from Bravo Concealment, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee and an unlimited lifetime warranty. Visit bravoconcealment.com and use the code GUNFIGHTER at checkout for 10% off your next holster. All right, welcome back. So when we're talking about emotional control, I, I've got an example 
from a class I was in in February with Steve Fisher of Sentinel Concepts. And um, I had a rifle I'd never shot before. It ran flawlessly, uh, as I expected. My primary weapon system is Mark 116. You can find them at primaryweaponsystems.com. Um, but the, the, uh, the, the optic that I had on it was not really my first choice in optics. Um, I've you got a review uh, that'll be out sometime soon um, for the Vortex Strike Eagle. And I say it wasn't really for me because, I mean, it, it's a it's a low-end optic, but I, I've seen them break in classes. I've seen them have problems in classes. Uh, there, there's a few few issues. The, the brightness of the uh, the the dot in there is, is it get washed out quickly. It's got a really busy reticle. There, there's, there's a lot of negatives to it, but there's also some positives to it. Um, for the money... It's a great optic, so it's. I don't. I don't want to make turn this into a review, but for the. I don't want to. Also, don't want to bash on it either, because there's. If you, if you aren't going to go deploy with it, if you're not a law enforcement officer, and it's your gun that you take to classes every once in a while, you take to the range, and you have it on your farm shooting coyotes or whatever. It's or, or you're getting started in a three gun. It is awesome. It, it's it's a great optic for that. Uh, it, it couldn't really handle what I was doing to it. Uh, we had one break in the class. Another guy had the same optic. Uh, one of them broke, and but you know mine, the eye relief and the eye box uh, was was a little rough on it for for what we were doing and some drills. Um, so I started getting frustrated. I started getting quite frustrated shooting the uh, the gun because I wasn't as fast as I know I am. Um, and I'm in front of all these other students and everybody else out there and the instructor that's a good friend of mine that I highly respect. Um, and I just, I, because of this optic and the, the eye box and the eye relief and, and everything else and, and some of the drills we were doing at distance and speed and everything else, um, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't as good as I, as, as I know I am. I wasn't as fast as I know I am. I wasn't as fast presenting that gun and getting multiple hits on the target. I wasn't as fast, you know, you know getting that optic on the, getting that red stuff that didn't exist on this optic, on the bad stuff and pulling the trigger. Um, I wasn't where I, I know that I, I am uh, with, with other guns and other optics. So for two days, I wanted to take that optic off my gun and put another one on. And I caught myself using it as an excuse a couple times. And I believe as an instructor, I should be able to pick up anything and run it at a high level, no matter what it is. I should be able to do that. No matter what comes to class, I should be able to run it better than every student out there. Um, and I should be able to do that. That's one of my goals that I strive to. Don't always succeed, but that's what I go for. So I started getting a little bit of uh, emotional issues. You know, wasn't over there crying on the range or anything like that. But I was, you know, trying to make, in my own mind, making excuses for myself of why I did something bad when I could have chosen to take a little extra time, and we're talking to like a split second in many cases before I press the trigger, um, because normally my I know my sight would have been there, or I would have been on the gun, mounted properly, and hitting that target, and I was firing at times where with other optics or other tools that I usually use, uh, I would have been good and got my hits there, but I wasn't able to control my emotions and, and get um, the right mindset there, because uh, that, that just got in my head until about halfway through the, the second day and I, I realized I was being a complete pansy and uh, I needed to not only control my emotions before a drill but every second in the middle of anything that we were doing no matter what it was every time that gun was coming up every time I was pressing the trigger I needed to control myself and have complete control of my body complete control of my mind um, and that gun and everything else and then get those hits on target no matter how long it takes or how short a time it takes. 
And it was just being aware of that when I recognized what I was doing and recognized that I had developed a negative attitude uh, because of this optic. Um, I, that's when I started to be able to fix myself a little bit. That makes sense, Andy? It does. I see it from time to time too with uh, some of the students that that have come to the class and 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 things that we're expecting them to do. Um, you can see a little bit of you know emotions coming out of them and and how it how it negatively affects them. Especially when they're usually good at something, but they're having a bad day. Exactly. Right. And that's if I go to a range, I don't do it in a class. I'm not going to walk out of a class because I'm having a bad day. I'm going to fight through that mm-hmm. and try to control myself and try to figure out what's going on. But if I'm out at the range and I'm having a bad day and I start feeling really negative about what I'm doing or I've shot so many rounds and I'm getting bored and I, you're, you're getting shot out, you know, and I'm, uh, then I, I know you got to know when it's time to quit. Right? Like I'm, I'm done for the day, right? Uh, I'm going to stick it out in the class and I'm going to keep fighting through it and try to control myself. But if I go, if it's, if it's on my own time and I go to a range, I'm going to work on some stuff and it's just not coming together. It's just not working for me. Continuing to go down the quicksand, the rabbit hole of negativity and what you're doing in the range, it's, it's only going to make that experience bad for you. We're probably going to start practicing some bad habits. We may not be as motivated next time we're thinking about going to the range because we had that bad day. I say, uh, pack the guns up, man. You know, roll out when I start having, you know, that bad attitude, that negativity. Uh, but as an instructor, I that's I got to recognize that students are having those problems. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I need to go give them an attaboy or pat on the back or say, "Hey, really good job on that one." You know, maybe sometimes they deserve that, but sometimes it's just look, hey, everybody come in. We've got like two or three guys right now who are who are really struggling with this right now because I think they're usually good shooters, but they're having a hard time in what we're doing here right now. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about controlling your emotions and, and how that translates to your gun and what you're doing here in the drills and your training and how uh, not controlling your emotions is going to be negative on your training, very negative. Um, and it's going to possibly spill over into other students. Uh, it can be contagious. So um, very important to, to control what we're doing, what, what our, our mindset is going into it. But if that mindset begins to shift from your original mindset that you chose to have going into it, mm-hmm. We need to be consciously working to get back to that original mindset. I want to have a good time today. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to learn some things that are going to make me better than I was when I got here. And I'm going to find something to take back to my students. And I'm going to find some things that I sucked at. Guess what? You wanted that. You wanted to find those things that you sucked at. You just found something you sucked at. Mm -hmm. So stop being pissed off about it and write that down in your notebook because you need to go work on it. Yep. So I've already said a little bit of this. Um, but I want to drill into it a little bit more. If, if I'm going to go practice, I'm not talking about training. I'm not talking about going to a class. I'm talking about I'm going out to the range and I'm going to practice. Um, if that's an indoor range, there's probably a certain set of things that I can and can't do on an indoor range. Uh, if I'm an outdoor range all by myself or in my backyard where I can do pretty much anything, then the options are, are fairly limitless there. Um, but what I, I try to focus on during practice is is those things that I've identified that – I am not as good as I believe that I can be, or not as good as I used to be, or um, I've I found those in my training, taking a class. Uh, because you take a class, you don't get good in the class. You, you you learn what you need to get better at and how to get better at it, and you go practice those things. So it, it, after I get that information, I'm going to go to the range, and the range isn't always the funnest time if I'm actually out there trying to train and get better, because. I'm starting out with a list of things that I know I suck at, right? That's what I'm working on. I'm not going there trying to reinforce and prove to myself that I'm really good at the things that I'm already good at. 
there's nothing wrong with sustaining those skills, but I'm going for practice, so I'm trying to get better at the things that I suck at. So my emotions are going to play a role in that. I'm going there beginning the day knowing that I'm going to do things and I'm not going to be good at them because hopefully by the end of the day, I'm a few percentages better at those things. How about you, Andy? Same, same. Uh, just ha- ha- having, a, having a method to the madness of what, what, I'm, what I'm going out there and do. Um, either either reinforcing the, the skill sets that I've already have because um, that could be what I'm going out to do. Maybe you use that. Maybe when you're mm-hmm. starting to get down out there on the range, you go back to something that you're good at and then move back to that thing that yep, you need to work kinda on. Kind of get back that comfort mode. And then going back into those things that I know I got to work on, which, you know, is always going to be something and just hit it hard. That's what I do when I'm out practicing, what's in my mind, what I'm thinking about, uh, what I'm working on. It's not always comfortable. Uh, A good friend of mine, Ryan Hoover, uh, has a saying, there's growth and discomfort. And being uncomfortable and working through something that you're not comfortable with will often make you more comfortable doing that thing. Mm -hmm. So we get better, we improve. I mean, kind of relating to any of this stuff here is, you know, the addition of any kind of stressors, you know, some kind of stressor, you know, uh, that that can be applied during that that training evolution. Um, I think it's a big benefit. I mean, it, 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 it takes you to hold another plane, you know, and any kind of stressor, you know, whether it's it's just something that that you didn't you didn't perceive to be there. You, you, you didn't think it was going to be there, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a, a different color or a math problem like some of your drills or or you know somebody saying something then you having to uh, solve that problem and and, and, and and fix the problem and important piece when it, when you're in that training mode yeah as you uh, as you improve on some of the things that you really wanted to work on or you need to get better at um, adding in some more layers of stress mm-hmm. I, I often find that people who are really really struggling with something that I know they can do well but they're often overthinking it. I start adding in another layer of stress mm-hmm. or another problem or three problems on top of that just shooting problem. They stop putting all their brain power into the, just the shooting problem. And because they're not thinking about it as much, they're just doing what they yep. know to do. Um, I often see an improvement yep. in that um, and not overthinking it. And every little thing that we're doing and, and constantly self-diagnosing everything that they're doing wrong, sometimes that can even be counterproductive. So sometimes we just need to do it. Um, go out there and work. That's why I, whenever we get people past a, a, a level where they, they understand how, when, where, and why, and all that stuff, and they're able to do it, and they're able to take it back and practice it and replicate it, that's when I start layering different pieces of stress on top of it, different mm-hmm. problems to solve, not just a shooting problem, but adding in other things. Guys, yeah, so go out there, uh, spend some time on the range, and, uh, and, and think about your emotions. Control what you're doing. Control your emotions. Uh, control your focus. Go in with a proper mindset that you are going to learn. You're going to get better. You're going to, you're, there's a certain set of things you're going to accomplish today. Make a plan. Make some drills that you're going to do. Uh, talk to a training buddy about what you guys are going to do out there on the range and what you hope to accomplish instead of just going out there and shooting, but actually try to train to a capability, to increase your capability. So you, you have a goal that you want to reach, and you may not reach it that same day. You may not reach it in that same week, but uh, if you start tracking your improvements and the things that you suck at at least, practicing or tracking that you don't have to track every time and every shot time or every drill that gets counterproductive because you're wasting too much time 
But if we're tracking improvements, uh, we're shooting little quals that we make up or any of those things, we can see ourselves improving. And I find for myself that always helps me out with controlling my emotions because even though I may feel like I'm still being sloppy and slow, but when I see my scores or my times, I'm realizing I am actually improving. So that work that I'm putting in is actually paying off. And that gets me back out there to the range. Kind of like when I used to play golf. I go out there and hit that ball a thousand times in a day and have like one good shot. And that one good shot makes me want to go back to the golf course tomorrow. And that's what I want you guys to do to want to go back to the range tomorrow. Jump in a class, go out there and train by yourself and be safe and have fun. And until next time, Gunfighter Cast out.